The Idiotville team would like to thank Community Access Media, Lermo Realty, our Patreon subscribers, and all of our listeners for their support and contributions. We love you, Erie. Idiotville is a mature podcast. We sometimes touch on adult themes and use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, idiots. It's Idiotville 233. I'm your host, Dill Spears, in the Cam Studios in the heart of downtown Erie's beautiful alcohol alley with my partner in crime, my uh, my compadre. We're going to call you compadre? That's fine. Okay, Brent and Liberty. The N stands for no one here but us this week. No one here but us. Yeah, yeah, we're keeping it real nice and light this week. We're just going to be talking a little bullshit. I don't even know. So basically... It's sort of, we're doing the show a little different today. We are. What we're going to do is uh, we brought in a, uh, what amounts to being a sampler of some different Buffalo area beers that was given to me uh, as a Christmas gift. And what we're going to do is we're going to drink those as we talk. You know, we're going to talk a little eerie politics. We're going to talk a little sports. Uh, probably just talk just, our town. Yeah. Lurch from subject to subject as we are wont to do. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Welcome to the show. We're going to be having some beers. We're going to talk about what comes to mind. And who's the sponsor of our beer segment normally, so we can make sure to throw that out. This is a 710 Glass and Vapor beer segment show. Brought to you by... Brought to you by... Lake Erie Woodworks and Palermo Realty. All right. Whoa. So the first one that we are trying. Well, we were gonna we were gonna live stream this too. We were, but we're not going. to. No, the thing was all fucky. Yeah. Well, I it was like the cameras were upside down, and then it wanted me to stream to YouTube, and we could never get the YouTube to work right. Yeah, it was just like, hey, we're a little short on time. Yeah, screw it. And patience. Yes. Yeah. There's always something something dumb with this. Is there's there's this other place? What what are they? Let's call them out. Let's call them out. We'll, we'll do some like. So, like, I don't know, Tom Segura on, on David Walter crime here. What is this podcast that keeps fucking us? Who are they? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, street. Can you, yeah, can you get in there? Is no, there I, I can't get back in there to see it, but it's like street tease or something. Yeah, something like some every time we come in here, like they just yeah. fuck it all up. Like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. They just come in here and just start mashing buttons. Yeah. And it's yeah. fucking annoying. It is. It's 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 like they let their children come in and spin knobs and and adjust cameras and it's like just don't mess with anything with the hardware guys. It's not that hard to do. Yeah, we, you know, we leave it set up we, every time. Plug and play. You just go in, you do it and you're fine. But no, these yes. these people every time they're on it, I don't know what their show's about, but holy shit are they bad at that part of it. They're, they're it might be a fantastic show. I might listen to it and it's bringing tears to my eyes and like changing my mind. Friends become enemies, enemies become friends. I don't know, but it just Cats and dogs living together. Just, mass hysteria. Yeah, I'm not I'm not talking about the quality of that. I am talking about the fact that they screw this thing up every time and I'm sick of it. We don't know for sure that it's them. But we're blaming them because they're because the well, up on the yeah their thing shows up either that or everyone's just streaming to their thing without knowing I don't know but they're the ones who are always on there where you can click to stream to them and then the things to stream are always fucked up so I'm sorry just two and two together yeah it it might not equal four but we're gonna say that it does it seems to just calling you out random coffee or tea people or whatever yes. street thing we, we drink beer yes. That's what we should do. We should just like completely invade this computer every time we get on and just make it so that everybody has to go through our shit to do it. Yes. If you're streaming, it's going through us so we get the hits. Yes. Yes. I see your plans. I see what they're doing. Yes. So uh, let's talk about this first beer that we're drinking. It is from Pressure Drop Brewery. Brewing? I don't know. You're the one holding the can. I'm trying to read it. Pressure Drop Brewing. It's called On on Brew Days We Wear Pink. Ah. This is a hazy India pale ale, uh, 6% ABV. Is it fetch? Uh, stop trying to make fetch happen. Fuck you. Oh, you know what? It actually has fetch on the can. It, it, it has to. Um, it also has uh, October 3rd. So yeah, because remember, she asked um, Aaron the date. 
Yes. I don't care. I don't, uh, dude, I love Mean Girls. I don't give a oh, shit. Oh god, what you that think. movie's hilarious. Yeah, that one's great. That, that it's always good because girls will make you watch that, and you have to act like they're they made you watch like Sex in the City Part Two, the movie, which is god awful terrible. Did that one have Mister Big in it? Was that when he died? Like the I'm the one who wants to yeah. be with you. Not not that Mister Big, a different Mister Big. Uh, I was about to say I was uh, I'd be pretty bummed out if he died. The, um. Yeah, I think so. That seems about right. Yeah, the, the Chris that Noth. tracks. Yeah, Chris Noth. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that. That sucks. I mean, and maybe, and we, I know we have female listeners, but like, no, your, your dude does not mind watching Mean Girls. It's good. We like Mean Girls. He does not want to sit through five seasons of Sex and the City. Yeah. Now that is hell. It's like slow torture. And honestly, where does she get the money for the clothes that she wears? She's like a freelance writer. That I've done that. There's not much pay in it. Massive apartment in Manhattan. Come on. I'm assuming it's Mr. Big still working on those royalties from that song. That one song? Yeah. How's that go again? I'm the one who wants to be with you. Is that the one where at the end of that song on the... Like, Deep inside, I hope. Wow, I remember more of this than I thought. Yeah, and at the end, people are cheering. Like, that sounds right. Yeah. It, it, it feels like it's the, the little bitch cousin of that um, extreme more than words. Yes, and you know what that song means? You know what more than words is about? It's a guy telling a woman, if you really love me, you'd have sex with me. No, he's singing it beautifully. Well, yes, but the, the the it's a story of a man trying to guilt a woman into sleeping with him. I mean, well, shoot I mean, your shot. Like <laughs> anything for love by Meatloaf. That's about a guy not wanting to get pegged. I feel like I don't listen to it. I would do anything for love. I don't see it, but I won't do that. No, no, no. Because then that girl sings some stuff. I thought it was about he won't cheat. I feel like no. It's definitely about sooner or later you're rolling around. And then he says, "But I won't do that." That's what he's fucking talking about. Don't pretend he's talking about getting pegged. He's no. He's talking about not getting pegged. He's he's telling her bullshit. She says he's going to be screwing around. He's like, no. No, but I won't do that. I don't care what you're saying. I will not. That, do that was because it's, it's very theatrical. It was getting to that point. I mean, that song is like ten minutes long. It is. The video was uh, unbelievable and weird, though. You ever see that video where he's like a werewolf? Yes. It didn't have the same production value as like those Romstein videos. No. Like those ones go all out. Like you're watching a movie for four and a half minutes when those come on. I I feel like the best nonsensical music video of the '90s though. Mm-hmm. Is uh, November Rain? November Rain, my yes. and Roses, hundred percent. They're at a wedding, and then somebody dives through a cake, and the, it's just the cake diver is the peak of that. <laughs> it's just like, why did he dive through the cake? Well, I've told you my theory on that song. Well, let's refresh our listeners on okay. Brent's theory on the cake diver in November. Well, Rain. it's not even the cake diver. Everything about November Rain just shows the excess of the band at the time. Like, you could just see them all sitting together, just being rich and thinking they are the world's greatest rock stars. And at that point in time, they probably were. Yeah, but they, they were f- the biggest. They are feeling themselves hard. And you just see this conversation as tensions rise between Axel and Slash. And Axel being like, I want a full orchestra and a guy diving through a cake. And, Axel, and Slash is like, you pretentious dick. Well, I better get six guitar solos, including one on a piano and the other in front of a steeple. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Sold. And, yeah. the other and then you just get like, this bloated, convoluted mess of a like nine minute song that kicks ass. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, we can go through and this is this is where this episode is going. Is if you look at that, they had so much material. After they did Appetite for Destruction, they were in the studio for three and a half years. They were touring, and then they went into the studio, and they had so much done that they're like, you know what? We're going to release a double album like as our second, and as it turns out, pretty much final. Well, they did Chinese Democracy later. Would that come out, like 96? No, no. That was like 2000-something. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's right, because it was supposed to be like 96. Yeah. And then the uh, music had just passed them by, plus... um, they just kept losing members of the band. Like the original drummer got fired because he did his drug problem was too much. Mm. I remember he'd be on Celebrity Rehab every season. Oh, like Duff, you think he'd get it by now? Duff McKagan? No, well Duff apparently is sober. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And then they had uh, Matt 
uh, Matt Sorum was their second drummer. Yeah. Um, but nobody gives a shit about him. No, because he was not Duff McKagan. But... No, no, their drummer was Steven Adler. Steven, that's right. Duff yeah. McKagan was one of the guitarists. Hey, I'm even surprised by how much I know about freaking what Guns was N' Roses the, right now. What was the other guy's name? Is he Stradlin? Very good. Is he Stradlin? I feel <laughs> that's like... such a great freaking hair metal name. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But um, when Use Your Illusion and Use Your Illusion 2 came out, um, the first big drop was that song from Terminator 2. That. Uh... Yes, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. I like, can hear it. Yeah. And I mean, you could attach anything to like Tiny Tim could have done the score of that and it would have freaking rocked because it was Terminator 2. Yes, but those albums were both insanely like over the top bloated and they're like, this is a, and they're both like 90 minutes long. It's like, why are these so long? None of them are, none, none of the songs are, none of the songs are great. None of them are awful, but it's, it's just, they're, they were basically an excuse for Axl Rose and Slash to just make these ridiculous videos. It was just their way of because, like I said, they they got so big that they were feeling themselves and thought they couldn't miss, and just it's what their their entourage demanded. It was it was, it's it's just an absolute tribute to the excess of rock stars, and that's why that's why it's a great album. <laughs> it really um it it. it Honestly, the, their first album, Appetite for Destruction, is one of my top ten albums of all time. That it's was amazing. Yeah, because it was a lot more stripped down. Nobody can say Use Your Illusion was stripped down. It was anything but. But, you know, we have seen lesser bands do, like, really ambitious rock opera projects. Like Queensryche. Like fucking Sticks. We're not going to talk bad about Sticks. Well, man, the harmonies that they could hit, unreal. Yeah. So, uh, well, oh, okay. Oh. R. Kelly trapped in the closet, oh. but that's fantastic. I don't, I know, I know, I know. R. Kelly trapped in the But if closet. you don't enjoy it, I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, Use Your Illusion and Use Your Illusion 2 were both dropped September 17th, 1991, which means they will be 32 years old this year. Um, they were both released in conjunction with the Use Your Illusion tour. Uh, Use Your Illusion debuted at number two on the Billboard charts, selling 685,000 copies its first week behind Use Your Illusion 2, which sold 770,000. Um, as of 2010, Use Your Illusion has sold five and a half million copies. Um, and both of them have been certified seven times platinum. Um, and this was the first time that they featured former uh, The Cult drummer Matt Sorum, who replaced Steven Adler following Adler's departure in 1990, although he was featured again on Civil War, which appears on the Counterpart album, as well as uh, keyboardist Dizzy Reed. All right. So I have a question. We're sort of shifting gears, but not entirely here. Okay. Just thinking of like massively selling albums from the 90s. Yeah. Why the hell was Hootie and the Blowfish so big? It was a different kind of sound. But, like, but it, all the songs sounded the same. Yeah, but it was different. It was I, I the last song I heard before we got off the bus when I got to Naval Training Center Great Lakes for boot camp in 1996 was, I think it was I Only Want to Be With You by Hootie and the Blowfish. It could have been any of them. Yeah, I mean, they were the same. <laughs> but uh, I always loved the video for... Uh, uh, what was the one where the the drummer had to sit there with no shirt on, and they were they were like playing sports, like they had Dan Marino in it because I mean, Hootie was a huge fan of. Uh... Dude, oh my god! Like, <laughs> guess how many? Guess how many fucking copies of Cracked Rearview have been sold? I'm gonna say, um, is it more than ten million? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is it more and than, this is worldwide. Is this more than, is it more than 15? Yeah. Yeah. No, in the United States, in the United States, what's the number? 
21 million copies of Cracked Rearview oh by Hootie and the Blowfish Evans. Did every man, woman, and child, was it, like, mandatory? Like, I, I feel like it was. It was, like, um, the first big album from, uh, from Puff Daddy in, like, 97. Like, when he did the uh, I'll Be Missing You after Biggie died. It's kind of hard when you're not around. Yeah, like, is that the most poorly rapped song of all time? It's like, up there. How did Puffy get so big? Because he was not good. Um, Because he was a mogul, because he was a producer and a businessman who stepped into that world. So he knew how to market it already. He'd already done it before. Right, okay. Yeah. Because he did not have a lot of talent as a yeah. And Yeah, and whenever he used hooks, it was always like recycled old like 70s and 80s things. And so he made it like recognizable from the get-go. Yeah. And then kept it like sort of... <sighs> chill enough where it could get regular radio play okay that makes sense yeah yeah who's your uh who's your your top three rappers of that era um of that era yeah shit like the there's, the, there's some good ones there the too death row versus bad boy you remember when they just decided that it was an east coast versus west coast rap feud for the next 25 years and it lasted like 18 months well, that's what happens when everybody dies. Like, in like, you ever look at like the personnel on Tupac's Hit 'Em Up? No. They're like all dead. Oh yeah, well, surprise. like all of them. Like everybody got killed in that freaking song. Did Did you? Hear? Like it was a war. Oh, it really was. I don't think they they ever figured out. They never found out who killed either one of them. I don't think they tried. They didn't. The uh, the Los Angeles de- Police Department and the Las Vegas Police Department just punted. They're like, we don't care. There's yeah. probably, probably yeah. other rappers. Yeah. But speaking of death row, um, apparently Dr. Dre's lawyer sent a cease and desist to Marjorie Taylor Greene, and they filed a DMCA takedown for a video that she posted on Twitter. So the letter... Uh, dated. It is dated January 9th. Did you hear about this? I did. What's on, what was it? What was it, the well? I will I will read to you exactly what happened. Uh, dear Miss Taylor Green, we write you on behalf of our client Andre Young, uh, performer known as Dr. Dre, composer and performer of the hit song Still Dre. You are wrongfully exploiting this work through the various social media outlets to promote your divisive and hateful political agenda political agenda. Andre Young is the owner of the copyright of Still DRE with the exclusive right to exploit same. Mr. Young has not and will never grant you permission to broadcast or disseminate any of his music. The use of this song without permission constitutes copyright infringement. Blah, blah, blah. They give the legal stuff. One might expect that as a member of Congress, you would have a passing familiarity with the laws of our country. It's possible, though, that laws governing intellectual property are a little too arcane and insufficiently populist for you to have spent much time on. So what in what context could would she was use this? Apparently she had it on as the song in the background and she was like dancing in the halls of Congress while she wasn't having an extramarital affair. Was she representing for the gangsters all across the world? I feel like she must have been because uh she I mean just Was she hitting them in the corners in the Lolos girl? I'm going to say no. <laughs> but she's still taking her time to perfect the beat, right? Oh, of course. Still, still got love for the streets. It's the MTG. Oh, my God. That's probably what it is. <laughs> How do people so colossally stupid get elected to Congress? Ah, you just find the right. It's, it's, it's really easy, actually. It's super fucking easy. Oh, Mike, Mike Kelly's done it like six times. Yeah, and someday he'll like retire or be primaried, and it'll be some other fucking asshole who can market themselves really well enough to win the primary because they know it's over from there. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe he'll just retire. And yeah, in Congress, like in Senate or something, you have to work for it. Yeah, you have to show that you actually give a shit, know what you're talking about. And Congress, you just have to be the right kind of loud, boorish asshole for your freaking district. That's so all you got to do. Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Mike Kelly. Yeah, that's it's, yeah. it's all you have to do. You just have to find the right thing and you get the right backing. The the primary is the hard part. So the yeah, the hard part. And from there, it's just convincing. Everybody else like Do you really think if there were no such thing As political parties that Mike Kelly would continue To win no he won a primary In 2010 
and hasn't been challenged since. Yeah, and, and it's infuriating because even when we redistricted, we still get screwed. Erie still gets screwed every single time. It's because uh, Western PA is losing population. So as they have to expand the our, our congressional district, it's clearly going to go into more and more rural areas. Well, it has to because there's no – it's not like we could be part of the same district as part of Pittsburgh or no. Allegheny County. No. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to get worse unless there's an influx of people that come here. And how, are, how in the world could we do that? I, That's the million dollar question, isn't it? You know, um, the coal industry is not coming back. The steel industry is not coming back. I mean, it takes. For starters, you got to stop chasing what once was and try to make something new. But um, I, I don't feel like that's something that people have grasped. Um, I, I feel like they're still trying to get back to a time in this area. I mean, 50, 60, 70 years ago, that's just, it's gone. It's not coming back. Well, and there's, there's, there's bigger parts of it too. Like, you know, Pittsburgh's undergone quite a little metamorphosis. In fact, the only County to really gain population in the like latest census was Allegheny County in, in Western part of the state, really in the Rust Belt almost at all. Like that, that, I'm pretty sure the earth, like the, the city itself it pretty much leveled off or maybe went down slightly, but the metropolitan area did grow in that in the, since that that previous census. So they're doing something right, but still you you think of like, okay, they've changed like a lot of what they there's a lot of pharmaceutical and stuff there. There's a lot of tech. It's 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 a very diversified economy. The hipsters have taken over huge swaths of things. And honestly, you feel a lot safer in some different parts of Pittsburgh where you used to not. But like walking through Oakland? Yeah. Yeah, like but at the same time, it's just it, it's all that change is real and it's tangible, but it's still hard to sell to the rest of the world. To the rest of the world, Pittsburgh, it's always 1946 and it's covered in soot. Right, right. And it just takes a lot to to get out from from that because that was your brand for so long. Yeah, and, and I think that's an unfortunate problem that you're seeing with the big three cities around us, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo. Cleveland's a great place to visit. There's so much to do there. I, I, I've been there a couple times in the last few years after not really having gone there, and I had a blast both times. I mean, the one was we were there for the draft, and I was hammered the whole time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I was up there with my girlfriend last spring, and we had a blast. You know, we went to the West Side Market, and there's, you know, there's great restaurants in Cleveland. There's, um, you know, it's close to the NFL Hall of Fame. It was like an hour from the NFL Hall of Fame, which is something I strongly recommend any football fan go to one time. It's totally worth it. But if going back to Pittsburgh, I feel like part of the problem in Erie is we have a city council and a, and a mayor that are not of the generation that wants to build things like they're they're very status quo happy got to make sure we have a lot of police because it's a dangerous world out there um and maybe um i don't know elect a, a county executive who doesn't have the slightest fucking clue what he's doing um it's because Erie has been good at turning the old status quo that doesn't work into like a populist thing where they can sell that to people where they, you know, this is what you're missing. We should try to get it back instead of that's gone. Let's move forward. Because for a lot of people, I think it's especially an older crowd. And I get it. Like it's kind of easier to pine for what you used to have. Yeah. Like, I mean, really, like I think of myself, I'm 40 and you hear about all oh, what we used to have. Dude, I never saw it. I was, it wasn't, it was gone by the time I was born. It was already gone. So a lot of people my age that go around complaining about the way things used to be weren't around for it. Right. Oh, that's exactly it. Like, unless you're in your, your sixties or seventies, you don't remember when Erie was a, Erie had a booming economy at one point because 
you know, there was a lot of industry here, but as industry has gotten more expensive and moved overseas or, or below the border, then yeah, that industry has gone and, but, and Erie's not a shipping hub. No. And I, but I do understand like where, like the older generation, the actual older generation, not some 20 year old listening to this who thinks we're the older generation. I'm talking about the actual fucking oh like God. older generation. Are we really the older generation? No, we're not, especially not in this. But like I think of, you know, when I used to work at that one place and I had this one employee who was he was in his 60s and he worked at Hammer Mill. Yeah. And did that, you know, IP, all that for for years and years and years. Then it closed down and then he drove truck for a while because he didn't really have anything else he could do. And he like he ran into some issues and had to and couldn't do that anymore. And so he's just doing this, working for some 24 year old shithead college graduate in because like everything that he was trained was going to get him to where he needed to be in life had abandoned him. Yeah. Like I understand that. And at that point in time, like shit, trying to teach this dude on the computer, something on the computer was like impossible. It was like a completely foreign thing to him. And you have this world that's completely changing and everything that you've been taught to do is no longer valid. And there's this new way of doing things. I understand wishing for something to be new because you're struggling to innovate with this new thing for understandable reasons, for understandable reasons. You're yeah, you're you're struggling to adjust to the the realities of today's world. I understand how somebody could just get up there and start like and take advantage of that. How a politician could sell you that we could go back to the way things used to be. You mean back when it made sense, back when I had value in the workplace, back when I felt like I was contributing to this society in a way that I can't now? Yeah, take me the fuck back there. I understand why it works. Yeah, it's a but it's a brand new economy and the problem is is that people of that generation have a tendency to listen to every we're all caught in our own echo chambers you know they're they're listening to oh there goes that um they're listening so it goes (laughs) they're listening to fox news you know people our age are getting their news uh in a lot of different places and you know the younger generation is is you know easily digestible 30 second news bites (laughs) though i think one of the hardest things is about it is a big part of, and you know, and we've discussed this too, of a big reason that like the actual fake news and not what, you know, when Donald Trump shouts fake news, but actual fake news resonates so hard with a, like an older generation is because the way that you can see through that veneer of fake news has changed in like a tan, like the, the tangibility of it. You know, I always said like, you used to know, like if somebody mailed you something and it was bullshit and it was supposed to be news, it looked p- poorly like copied or like everything is or something. slick. Yeah. Everything's slick. Anybody, I could go and make something slick right now. And when you're used to seeing that as that is what actually brought validity to something for you. And that's the way you're used to receiving information. You're pretty easy to fucking dupe in this world where anybody can make something slick. It, that's why I'm grateful that my parents were raised by skeptics Yeah, because my mom gave me the best advice I've ever heard in my life. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. And there's always a catch. Nobody so, does stuff at all. Truism. <laughs> it's true. Or I also think of one of the, one of the rules of um, being skeptical today. If the headline ends in a question, the answer is always no. That's the the Fox News uh, Hannity and Combs. Uh, I'm just asking question mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever see a headline where it's a question, it's yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> like always, always. So, um, speaking of of oddball stuff in politics, um, our uh, president of city council resigned. Well, um, she wasn't going to be able to do it again. So, like, our new president of city council is Chuck Nelson. She took offense to that because she wanted fighting Mel Witherspoon to fucking take some swings at it. Take that. Yeah, she, he, wanted, he wanted, yeah, she wanted Witherspoon to take the city outside. And in the hallway? Cha- in the hallway. Mm. Challenge it to a little bit of fisticuffs and see what happens. But yeah, Mel Witherspoon. It he'll, didn't happen that way. He'll fight for you. Yeah. He'll fight you. So Vote for Spoon. So she just resigned? Yeah, she wasn't happy with it. I don't know. It's, it's like one of those things where... 
Uh, we need, as you said, we needed, we we need change anyway. Like, the council's been a shit show. It's probably still going to be a shit show. Well, <laughs> like Liz was, I mean, she's she's old enough to have retired from the paper. Yeah. Anymore? And, yeah, yeah. Um, yet, you know, she she basically retired from the paper to. I, I don't know, get on city council and not do anything effectively. Yeah. She does stuff for the Seawolves. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, a couple times I've been there, and uh, when you go to go into the, the club seats, yep, the that, yeah, she's boxes, always there. She's right there. I, I, I always bullshit with her whenever. So like, oh, she, yeah. She's never been anything but nice to me, so I Absolutely don't even want to play that. I'm not going to say like bad things about her personally, but um, uh, uh, fuck me. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Uh, we're going to go uh, briefly away. Yeah. All right, uh, we're back after a brief little interruption. I went to pour some beer into my cup and missed. Yeah, just like, completely just whiffed. Roll the one. It was awful. Yeah. So the second beer we're trying is uh, Mason's Liquid Rapture Double IPA. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is uh, one pint of beer, 8.2 alcohol, or... Uh, Ooh, I like this one. Yeah, it's really good. The last one was pretty good. I I, I liked it. This one I really like. Yeah, this one it has uh, it's it's a really really good double. Yeah, yeah. This is I I, I give it four two five. Yeah, you know that's exactly what I was thinking was a four two five. Yeah. I think that last one was. Uh, I was gonna go three seven five. Yeah, I was gonna go four, but yeah. I could see the three seven five mm-hmm. real easy with that. This one I'm actually gonna look up on Untapped. Yeah, it's this, excellent. This, this one's is, delicious. Uh, I'm I'm really liking this I'm one. Have to get Nick to bring me some down when mm-hmm. I come down to visit again. Oh, it's smooth. Like yeah, this is it's easy like Sunday morning. It is. I'm I'm yeah. a big fan of this one. Yeah. So this is. Uh, oh, dude! Did I tell you I was up at the res on uh, New Year's Eve. What were you doing at the res? You know what I was doing at the res. Shut up about it. Oh, oh that's what you're, I thought you were gambling. I did some of that too, but I don't like gambling. But um, they had a bunch from freaking uh, Three Floyds. Oh, that's right. You got a ton of that stuff. Yeah, right? dude. It was all good. I told and, you my cousin knows those guys, right? Really? Like he, he knows he, the Floyds? Remember when he brought me the, the zombie dust? Yeah. When they came to visit? He's like, oh, yeah, these guys are like right down the street. I've been drinking there since they were brewing out of their garage. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I wanted to kiss him. Oh, my God. Dude, everything that, that I've had from them was good. And it was good to have some other things. Like, actually, the only one I haven't touched yet is the zombie dust because I already knew what that was, you know? that That's one of my top five beers. Yeah. Like, but it's just like everything they they do they they do it all so well. It's not gimmicky. It's just just well crafted beer. Like if you have a chance to get anything from Three Floyds, I'd do it. But this is this is really good. I like this. absolutely this this one is looks like there's two versions of it. There's Liquid Rapture and then the Liquid Rapture Anniversary Edition. I think they're probably the same beer in different cans. Mm. Um, this one is 8.2 ABV, 68 IBUs, intensely hopped double IPA brewed with Idaho 7, Ella, and Citra hops that has a smooth malt taste up front. It finishes with notes of dark pine and peach, citrus, bitter, floral, smooth, and sweetness. So there's a little Walter Payton in there. Yeah. Uh, or that song from uh, Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, yeah. Are you listening? Uh, that one? Yeah. yeah, that one. I don't know. I heard that song the you're, other day. You're doing a lot of singing this week. You been, haven't been able to sing at work, have you? I was singing something today at work. I think it was Heart and Soul by Huey Lewis in the News. Did all the 20-somethings you work with look at you like you were on fire? They usually do. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, this one is uh, 3.88 on untapped. That's pretty good on tap yeah. rating, yeah. yeah especially on 11,000 ratings. Yeah. Yeah, so it's gone through the ringer. Now this this one's delicious. I would I, I highly recommend this one. To Strongly recommend this one. Yeah. We've got a couple left. Um, one we've already had, so we're going to leave that one for last. Yeah, but uh, we have another one that's just like buff. It's it's just a Buffalo Bills beer. Yeah, it tastes like. I don't know. I don't want to say triumph because that's not a thing. Well, I mean they're going to walk to it this week. Oh, I do you ever watch uh Pittsburgh Dad on YouTube? Yeah. Did you hear what he said Miami they they took our they take our birds. They they take all our old people and now they're taking our blowout playoff loss to the Bills. <laughs> Those are our playoff losses, Miami. <laughs> like I am I am 
honestly kind of relieved. I'm not. I wanted I, – I think it would have been – you know, it's a, it's a young team. And now you're able to look at everything in like, you know, in hindsight. For it's the always last in two years. I mean, they've done a lot of growing up. And you, you look at, like, the line, for instance. And you look at them and like, God, they really sucked in 2021. And I was terrified going into 2022. Well, no shit. They replaced every starter. They did. <laughs> like, I mean, in- sure, even on the D-line. Wow. Not as good on the D-line as they used to be. Yeah, you lost everybody. <laughs> That's what yeah, happened. Tyson Alu-Alu got hurt in, what, game two last year? Yeah. And, and he came back this year and he was not the same. He, I don't think he even saw the field. Did they really he was him? No, he was seeing the field rotationally there towards the end yeah. and he was doing okay it's yeah. just he can't handle the load anymore it just he, he can't it just, have you seen the well you saw him he was right near us when they were warming up he is a massive human yeah guy. and he's so old that his son is now actually getting recruited by colleges oh my God. so i mean <laughs> and he's just, like 10 years younger than me it's just yeah he's younger than me but um it's just coming to the end of the road for the guy. He's he, he was a hell of a player, but like I like like Ogan Joby, you could tell he was like a little out of well, not too familiar with the defense and a little out of practice from the injury because he finished the year way stronger than he started the year. Well, and and Leal did too. Yeah, like that defensive line really. I thought they started to coalesce at the end. Of the year. Mm-hmm. They stopped getting gashed constantly. They need they need a, a different like nose, like a different. D tackle, like really, yeah. I mean, because Adams is okay, but he's a rotational guy. We've given him far more run than he ever should have had. Oh, I, just I, like, I agree. Yeah, it's like when you're playing Madden and you just like I can't find a right guard, and you put a 73 there for a couple of years, just trying to draft something better. Yeah. That's, that's sort of like what 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 he is. I, I'd like to see them fix that, but like. I was bummed with the way it went and not for like the reason I thought, of course you're going to be bummed if you're a Steelers fan and Joe Flacco fucks you one last time one with last his time. last gasp of his NFL career. With his He's like, fuck the Steelers. With just, his dead, dead eyes. Yeah. It was once they started to figure out who they were, once they came off that bye week and had that chance to really reassess. And as TJ became healthier, as Najee became healthier, <sighs> Yeah, he has. He was like, great in the second half of the season. And as, as Kenny learned to read defenses, they were becoming fun to watch. Like, and it's one of those things. Like over the last few weeks, they're actually putting up some points and stuff too. Like, they were becoming a fun team to watch, and I loved watching them grow. And it's just like my main thing is, damn, it's over. I kind of wanted to continue watching that. I, I am really excited for next year. Um, I think that they're like I thought the rebuilding process would take a couple of years. If Pickett doesn't regress, and I don't think he will. I don't think he will either. Um, I think we're going to lose some guys on that defense, but none of the major parts. And I think that that's going to really be very helpful. And mm. all the offensive guys are rookies; like they're all young. Yeah, like <laughs> all of their all of their their. I don't think there's any skill guys that they have other than Deontay Johnson that are that are vets, like second contract guys. I mean, maybe Derek Watt. But he's yeah, a, but he's that doesn't count he's as much. A, yeah, he mean, yeah. and he had a pretty decent year for what they ask of him. I don't yeah. know. I mean, he scored a couple of touchdowns. I mean, he yeah, he he did some things on fourth down. Like the only real like, if we're talking about guys on like offense, like first of all, Dan Moore fucking sucks. He, like, is, he is terrible. You know what? I looked at him. He didn't get called for holding very often, but he sure did get beat a lot because he's not fucking good. No, it, he I, he was making me long for the the halcyon days of twenty twenty. Alejandro Villanueva. Yeah, and then you have something like Dotson is frustrating because yeah. I will see him destroy somebody and then like have the dumbest penalty. Like it's yeah, just or, like what or, are you doing? Like I, I think we're either way too high or way too low on him. Yeah. But because of his skills and when he gets con- yeah, when he has finds that consistency, he's can be like a plus plus lineman. I'm yeah. okay rolling with it for another year. I really am. Yeah, I think that But fucking oh my god, Dan Moore sucks. Dan Moore is terrible. I thought the rest of the line played pretty well i mean there were some dumbass penalties but you're gonna get that with you know young quarterback everybody i'll tell you the guy that's obviously the most important piece of the matt canada offense who's that zach gentry (laughs) you know he's gonna be a free agent this year i would be okay but like he's matt spaith like you know what he is bring him back at the right price if he's asking if there's other teams are willing to pay him more let them i can just see josh mcdaniels in uh in las vegas going you know you know what we need 
Uh, we need a tight end who only catches one yard screen passes on third and nine. Uh, he, does, he he got some over the middle a little bit. When they finally realized, hey, wait, that guy He's is six, six eight. foot eight. <laughs> Let's throw him the ball and make him go up after it. And it was But watching uh Connor Hayward, you know, he has such run after the catch to him. Like it's just you want to see him get the ball a little more next season, right? Yeah, I really <laughs> do. I really want him to be part of the offense. You know um, what he reminds me of? Who's that? Delaney Walker. Yes. Yes. I was thinking that actually the other day. Um, the other the other thing with that is I think that Connor Hayward kind of makes Derek Watt a little bit uh, superfluous. Like perhaps, I, but that depends on because I think like if you think of them as in similar roles, yes. But I think of him is like the the tight end two who can make some different things happen could throw some blocks and probably do a little bit of h back stuff i think of watt is a straight up total fullback in Tom special Rathman. teams yeah like special teams guy like yeah. that's what i think of him as so i see the the like who was the H back for the Titans back in the oh, day? Oh, Frank Wycheck? Yes, that's who Connor Connor Hayward reminds me of. Yeah, there's there's there's, there's a, a lot of a lot there. to this freaking kid. I like yeah. him a lot. The only guy like the one like outside of, you know, some of the some of the guys like we've mentioned already, but like freaking Gunnar Olszewski, they gotta get rid of him. He sucks. You know what? The few times he got his hands on the ball, he did all right. He fumbled it and almost killed it and, and killed the game against freaking the Patriots. And we would have been in the playoffs if he didn't do that. Uh-huh. Or, you know, any of the other eight losses they had. They no, well, that's really a, no only, if you really look back at a lot of those early losses, it was they they could have won. They yeah. fucked it up. There were there were really two games that they were not in. Mm-hmm. And that was Philadelphia, Philadelphia and Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, that Buffalo game, like we knew going into it because they were starting like you and me at safety. It was so oh, bad. they were so banged up all at the same position, and it was Kenny's first start. There was no prayer, and it was <laughs> and it was in Buffalo. <laughs> it was in Buffalo against Buffalo, who at the time was. Basically, the 07 Patriots. Like, they were just unstoppable. Well, they might be getting the Micah Hyde back. I don't know. I kind of like their trajectory right now. They're, they're yeah. definitely scary going to the playoffs. I told you, I, I thought this was kind of a down year for football, like, as in, like, teams and ability. Yeah. And that's why I was happy with the Steelers' resurgence is, you know, you're thinking, hey, you know, like, a few weeks back, you're thinking, well, you know, they can make some moves this offseason, hopefully be competitive next year. Fuck, we were competitive this year. Right. Like, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking like I'm not thinking 98 Steelers I'm thinking like 2000 Steelers oh I exactly said the 2000 Steelers are perfect I was even said it's my dad they're getting ready to be really good again yeah because you remember that that the 2000 year to refresh memories um I remember they, they did a little Cordell in there and was he was Kent Graham and Cordell. Yeah, because they started Kent Graham like one time. No, he started like four or five games and only threw really? one touchdown. Yeah, he was bad. Yeah. And it wasn't like Kenny who started throwing touchdowns more towards the end of the season. You're like, yeah. well, he's learned to run to, yeah, run this team. You know, he's pretty much a – no, no. Like this is this guy was like an eight-year vet. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he should have been able to – he, he wasn't good. Yeah, like Kenny was better on the first snap he took in the NFL than Kent Graham ever was. But – that year also was the year when they kept getting like those NFL apologies because there'd be some total blown call that changed the entire game. And they had like two or three that year. And if they would have been called correctly, the Steelers would have won. Right. And so they finished the year like eight and eight, nine and seven, they something were like that. Nine and seven that year. They missed the playoffs because somehow Bubby Brister, while starting for the Broncos, no, I think he was playing for the Vikings. And somehow the Vikings had to win, and Bubby Brister was starting for them, and he lost. And and the Steelers got eliminated on the last day of the season. Yeah, and, and it was one of those things like, man, everyone's sleeping on this team, but I see something. All right, so Kent Graham, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, first of all, um, where did he go to college? Ohio State. Uh, he actually went to Ohio State and Notre Dame. <laughs> he must have been a hell of a prospect. Uh, has weighted <laughs> career... Uh, his what is this? His weighted career approximate value, according to Pro Football Reference, Kent Graham, his his uh, value is twenty one. 
which is 5,192nd overall since 1960. That's, um, that's good, right? That's uh, good. I, I mean, it's much higher than me. Um, he was drafted by the Giants in the eighth round of the 92 NFL draft. That was back when the draft was, what, 12 rounds? Um, he, they used to just draft till they got bored. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, he played for the Steelers for one season, uh, started five games, went two and three, had a completion percentage of 44.6. Oh, right. One touchdown. That's Tebowian. Yeah, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, his long was uh oh gosh he had he got sacked 13 times he got sacked a lot it's because he couldn't move he, had, he did have one game winning drive <laughs> i always remember him we, we lost the freaking expansion browns because oh god yes. they, they, he didn't yeah he had to get the field goal off real quick and he was the holder and he lined up on the wrong side <laughs> yes god i hate him he sucks it was the second season, um, and this was a this was the nine and seven team that went uh, was third in the AFC Central. Um, they lost to oh god, we lost some, we lost to the Ravens. Then they, that bye week in week two was always fun. Then they lost to the Browns. <laughs> god, I remember when they used to do that shit. That was such bullshit. Yeah. Then they lost to the Browns in week three, the Titans in week four. Then they beat the Jags. Beat the Jets. They went on a bit of a winning streak. They started zero and three, and at one point they were uh, five and three. And then they lost to the Titans. Remember when we used to have to play the Titans twice a year? Yeah, because that, that was the last year I think they were in the the division. Right? No, the next year was because they. Uh, it was they, the year the Houston Texans came in. What year was that? Oh, two was their first season because Pittsburgh held them to forty eight yards of offense and lost. Yeah, because uh, I want to say Neil O'Donnell, uh, Tommy, Tommy Maddox, Maddox. threw uh, two pick sixes. And there was a fumble return for a touchdown, and Pittsburgh lost the game like twenty-one to nine. Like it was bad, but um, they they had a shot at the end of the year, and just didn't make it. Um, and Cordell actually started playing a little bit better mm-hmm. towards the end of the year. So they reinstalled him as the starter and actually had an offense that worked to his skills instead of trying to make him a pocket passer. And then the next year, Pittsburgh went, what, 13-3? and three? Mm-hmm. Then and they, uh, they, they lost to the – what was the upstart New England Patriots yeah, at the time? That was their uh, – that was the game where the Patriots had all the Steelers' signals. Yeah. Joey Porter is still mad about that. Joey Porter gets mad about a lot of things. My friend Ryan, before he died. I just imagine when his son's about to get drafted, every team that passes on, bullshit. God, you know that he's going to spit. He's gonna, <laughs> that Joey Porter spit. They shot me in Denver. <laughs> yeah, imagine if his son gets drafted by Denver. He'll be so mad. He'll be on TV going, they shot me in Denver. Oh, that. <sighs> Well, they need a lot more than that. Like, I don't know. They have good DBs. Well, that and, like, Denver doesn't pick forever because they had to get Russell Wilson and ruin their franchise. That's right. The only way they were going to get him in the first round is if if they drafted him in 2029. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, those, those... Those late '90s, early Steeler, early 2000 Steelers teams, where they were kind of moving out of the early Cower, you know, mm. Neil O'Donnell, Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green years into the the Joey Porter, you know, Troy Polamalu, Troy Polamalu, yeah. Jerome Bettis years. Like there was a there was a swoon there, and I think that's what we're we're encountering now is kind of that we lost Ben, and then yeah, the entire office, the entire Marquise Pouncey just aged and. Dog years between the uh, now he weighs 170 pounds or something. Like. Oh, I saw him. He's, he's not on the juice anymore. Yeah. And you know, Alan Fanica was uh, he was amazing and he was a great guy to come in at that time. But like they replaced him with DeCastro and DeCastro was really good, but it took a couple years. DeCastro's, I think DeCastro is a Hall of Famer. Um, I think Marquise I like Pouncey is a Hall of Famer if only for his his attack on Miles Garrett. <laughs> I really want to see if Pouncey gets the consideration he should when the time comes. We need to talk a little bit about our sponsors. Uh, Of course, we have to talk about the place where you can get paid. And get laid. And get real. Oh, man. 
Where do we do that? We do that Palermo Realty. Palermo. Well, the cool kids do. That's right. Palermo Realty. Oh, man. Palermo Realty. You know, it's great just being able to find a nice spot like that, rest your head, yeah. cash those checks, and, and have sex. And, and you know what? After you do that, what you can do is if you might have a little cash left over. Yeah. You're, you need to furnish the place, in you my can, opinion. You can go to our buddy Armando. Yeah. You need to call the, the Black Monarch. He's always making something. He has some cool things going on there. And if you're just like looking at your corner and be like, what can I fit here? You know who knows? The Black Monarch. The he Black knows. Monarch, yes. And the thing you got to remember about the Black Monarch is that he's a carpenter. And Jesus was a carpenter, too. Wow. All right. Uh, so, um, Brent and I are going to play a little game, and it's a different game than we normally play, because we got about, uh, about seven or eight minutes left in the show. Uh, so we're going to play a little game called Hall of Very Good. Now... I hope to make the Hall of Very Good someday. Yeah, yeah. Um, wh- I'm going to have this buff. Okay, yeah, we're going to pop that open. We're going to pop this buff guy. Buff Bagwell? Buff Bagwell. Not in the Hall of Very Good. He's in the Hall of Mediocre. Yeah. I don't know. Did you know that he became a gigolo? Well, I mean, he was on Skinamax, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't need him to masturbate. I would have done better if he wasn't there. Right, right. You kind of killed the illusion. Yeah. Do you think he was yelling like, I'm Buff and I'm the stuff? Yeah, it was was extremely distracting. Like, Shannon Tweed's right there, asshole. Move. Maybe he was like, I'm Buff and here's my stuff. And that's probably what he yelled. And then just pulled his junk out. What a weird, sad career that man had. Yeah, well, I mean, Rick Steiner dropped him on his head and he almost broke his neck. (sighs) That's a thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. So what's this one that we're drinking, Brent? This is Buff. Not Bagwell. From uh, From Resurgence. Okay. Resurgence Brewing Company. I'm guessing it's in Buffalo. It is. Imagine. (laughs) I'd be really disappointed if they were in, like, you know... Norwalk, New Hampshire. <laughs> just, yeah, just trying to get into that sweet, sweet freaking Western New York market. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if there's but, any place that has money, it's, yeah, it's Western New York. If we're going to, if we're going to get fundage, yeah. we have to go to the most, I heard Jamestown's there. <laughs> yes. They, they have the market cornered on pajama pants. <laughs> so, the Hall of Very Good, Brent. Um, Basically, what it is, it's something that we came up with when we were talking about players from our favorite teams that we really like that are, you know, like team Ring of Honor guys. They're they're Ring ring of Honor, Ring of Excellence, but they're never going to be like the elite, the best of the best. Um, and Brent and I, both being Steelers fans, have kind of hashed this out a little bit. Um, so we're going to induct a couple guys into the Steelers Hall of Very Good this week. Uh, my... Uh, my inductee for the week is linebacker james farrier i love farrier he was a key contributor to uh, a couple of super bowls uh, a couple of deep playoff runs um and i still maintain that in uh 2004 he should have been nfl defensive player of the year uh, instead, they gave it to Ed Reed from Baltimore, which is fine. Ed Reed was really good, but Ferrier had a better year for a better team. Yeah, he was an excellent pass coverage linebacker in his day, like, and those are hard to find. I mean, basically the opposite of Devin Bush and uh, mm, and Spillane. Definitely the opposite of Spillane. Fucking a, he can't cover. But you know what? Spillane's getting better. He's just. He's never going to be fleet of foot. He's a run stop. Well, my thing with Spillane, it was like they're watching, you know, they're playing uh, Baltimore a few weeks ago. I'm like, man, Spillane's having a good game. I'm like, yeah, they don't throw the ball. Right. Yeah. Of course he's going to yeah. have 10 tags. Yeah. He, he's a hell of a 1975 linebacker. Right. Yeah. Like he should be missing teeth and be wearing tape covered in blood or something. Yeah. And just snarling all the time. Yeah. But instead, you can't see his face. <laughs> um, but he is like, Farrier really was. Um, he was just such a rock in the middle that you didn't miss him. Like you didn't realize that he was there until he was gone. And then you're like, good God was, he was so important. Yeah. And he just, they, they, they lost him. Um, it was like when him and Porter left, 
Yeah, it was, it was very, um, it was very noticeable. But they had, well, they had Timmons. They had, and Timmons was really good for a long time. He was yeah. an excellent player. And what I really liked about Timmons, who might be considered someday for this same exact honor, yeah, was I feel like he could have played in a bunch of different positions on that defense, and they needed an ins, but he did, they needed an inside linebacker at the time, so that's where he ended up. Right, I feel it, like he could have been a good edge rusher. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I mean, like at one point they had they had Woodley and yeah, and Harrison, Harrison, who I I don't think Harrison's going to get into the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, he might. Harrison is a kind of a borderline guy for me. I, you know what I was just thinking is we didn't go over the criteria for the Hall of Very Good. It's basically they had to have played the bulk of their career with that team, and they also. Uh, have to be eligible for the NFL Hall of Fame, which means they have to have been out of the league for five years. Yeah. So I, I just think Farrier, based on his, uh, his production, his contributions to some really good Steelers teams, is absolutely worthy of the the Hall of Very Good. Brent, do you have a nominee? Yes, and he just recently reached those that that mark. Okay. To me. There's nobody who played the position the way the position's actually supposed to be played as well as Heath Miller. Okay, okay. I feel like he'll never get into the Hall of Fame because that position is judged against people who don't really play tight end. Right, they're they're wide receivers. Yeah, like Tony Gonzalez was not a fucking tight end. No. But Heath Miller was. Heath Miller could be that tackle eligible. He could put guys on their ass. He helped the running game. But if you needed somebody to go out, catch that pass, he'd do it. If you need somebody to put a little more in, show a little more athleticism than you think he had, or even throw a shoulder into somebody and get that first down, he'd do it. Heath yeah. Miller was exactly 100% the prototype of what you want of a Pittsburgh Steelers tight end. Right. It is almost impossible to ever top what he was as a tight end. Do you he, think he's the best tight end in Steelers history? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Okay. Yeah, do you, how do you think Friermuth stacks up to him? Uh, I like Friermuth. Um, he's not quite there yet in some ways. I think uh, Friermuth's more athletic. Um, yeah. His blocking is pretty decent. Um, right now, he needs to become a little more consistent with the hands, even though he's quite consistent with the hands. But we're comparing yeah. to Keith fucking Miller, for Who? Christ's sakes. I, I swear <laughs> to God, I don't think I ever saw Heath Miller drop a pass. Yeah. Like, th- these are lofty shoes to fill. I love his trajectory. I love what he can do. And I think that as um, – <clears throat> As Kenny grows, so does Fryermuth. Absolutely. He's going to be like a security blanket for him. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they, they did the exact opposite. Because if you remember, after Ben's first season, they drafted Heath Miller. Yeah. And after Fryermuth's first season, they drafted Kenny Pickett. It just feels like you're getting some of that again. You know, like yeah. those two are going to be linked forever. And. I, I look forward to it, but man, Heath Miller was absolutely everything you want in a tight end. The things that Pat Fryermuth needs to improve on, Are Heath all Miller was an he, expert at. Yeah, Heath Miller was not as athletic as Fryermuth, and he was very athletic. He, he doesn't very, get enough credit for it, but he was right. And it's just that Fryermuth is Fryermuth is kind of a freak athlete. And they said, you know, he's probably the second best tight end in that draft. Um, yeah, because uh, Kyle Pitts was insane. Yeah, <laughs> and I still think he was probably the second best tight end in that draft. Yeah, because he's a, yeah, I think he's more of a pure tight end because Kyle Pitts is just a receiver. Yeah. But my thing is with Kyle Pitts is whenever he's not the first freak tight end athlete. Right. Like everything you're saying about Kyle Pitts, somebody once said about Vernon Davis, and Vernon Davis was a hell of a player. He was. Can't but win but he's him. not going to the freaking Hall of Fame. Can't win with him. Yeah. And, and I just it, – it, it's hard because – like what a tight end is now is so subjective. Right. But what the tight end is supposed to be is fucking Heath Miller. If you want him to go and become Jason Witten, he could have been Jason Witten. He probably, I think he could have been better than Jason Witten at ben, being Jason Witten. Right. But that was not the way Pittsburgh ran. No. And he's still got 500 and something balls in his career. He has a couple of rings. Jason Witten doesn't have that. Neither does a lot of these other tight ends that we're talking about. Right. Tony Gonzalez doesn't have one. No. No. Antonio Gates doesn't have one. Mm, wow. All these guys with all these catches. Mm. Yeah. The numbers look good, but. There was a reason that during his career that guys like Willie Parker could be undrafted that and, and become like a freaking pro bowler. 
there's a reason that they still could win games even though they had a backfield of Isaac Redman and Jonathan Dwyer. It's because you had a sixth lineman out there who could also catch balls. Right. Richard Huntley yeah. was out there. Was <laughs> that out was there. a little before. Yeah. Uh, who am I thinking of? Um, probably Moeldy Moore. Yeah, although he, remember he filled in and had a really good game. Oh, um, no. You know who really was good as a backup? D'Angelo Williams. I love D'Angelo Williams, and I was sad they didn't bring him back. Yeah, well, he was just too old. You know, nobody else signed him either at that time. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you ever notice that Le'Veon Bell never replicated his success with the Steelers? True. A lot of people will, will go out there and say, well, what about Pouncey and DeCastro and Marcus Gilbert, who was really good in his time? Yeah. I mean, they all fall across that line. They had talent. They, but they, having that tight end who just shut people down opened up so much for those guys. Right. And the fact that he could get open opened up the other receivers. Yes. So um, we're going to go ahead and wrap it There's up. There's one other thing I want to say. Okay. Go ahead. Um, today was... Uh, they, they announced the, the the best in Erie. We've won it before. We didn't this year, but we were a runner-up. So we wanted to say uh, congratulations to everyone. Thank you so much for voting for us. Um, I'm not going to mince words. I disagree with who you voted with. I think that was bullshit. There yeah. are people on, in this town that actually work hard on their shows. Yeah. If I would have lost a buddy cast or our Erie or like – I don't know. I don't know. Comic junkies, anything yeah. like that. Like um, Michael Balco show. Um, any of those, I would have been fine with it. But these people hadn't updated their fucking show in fucking six months. Yeah. And they just had a name that had SEO. Do better, Erie. I'm sorry. You don't yeah, have to fucking that, vote for us, but don't vote for that shit. That's bullshit. There are people who actually work on their shit in this town, and I'm not going to pretend to extend my hand to that. That's no, stupid. That, that, uh, it's really frustrating to me, and uh, we're, we're just thankful for what we got. So um, thank you to those who voted for us next year do your research a little better yeah seriously all right so uh that's going to do it for idiotville 233 a meandering beer drinking sports episode from from brent and dill <laughs> it was fun yeah it was a lot of fun so uh we'll see we'll see you next week Peace. the idiotville team would like to thank community access media Blairmo realty our patreon subscribers and all of our listeners for their support and contributions we love you Erie. 